Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Renee Marlin Masters. She is the author of the novel, The Friendship Pod Affair. Renee and I will be discussing her inspirational work about friendship and the power of forgiveness. Good morning, Renee. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning. It has been three years since we last talked on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, and at the time, we were discussing your critically acclaimed book and program, You Are Smarter Than You Think, so it is delightful to have you back. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Wonderful. The Friendship Pod Affair is an interesting read, especially during these extraordinary times in our world, so congratulations for such an inspirational work. Oh, man. I am I'm so <laughs> thankful, too. <laughs> we got to move it through and bring this to the world. When I started writing this new book, I mm-hmm. wanted to write something that was inspiring and something that solved the problem. I had no idea that it would be so pertinent to today's world. Mm-hmm. And it is, and just amazing things are happening with it. Um, it's uh it's it's really amazing. It's just a fun ride for me. Fantastic. I've always believed in life's rhythm and perfect timing. So this book is just perfect. It's here at the right time. And so much luck to you as far as that goes. I know it's going to be very, very exciting. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Well, I was born in Central California. Um, I got my master's degree in speech pathology at Cal State Fullerton. I, um, about 20-some-odd years ago, I moved. Well, I married my husband some 30-some-odd years ago, and I moved here about in, into the woods in Ashland, Oregon, about uh, 25 years ago. Um, and I uh, created the You're Smarter Than You Think program, in the 80s, and mm-hmm. uh, I sold 100,000 copies of that to n- primarily nursing schools used it because mm-hmm. nursing is such a tough in, tough thing. And um, uh, my husband passed away f- about five years ago, and after his passing, something shifted in me. Something said, hey, you know, I want to do what I've always wanted to do. And so that's kind of what motivated me to discover whether or not I could write fiction. And as it turned Mm -hmm. out, I can't. So it's been an interesting process. So it's a process that you went through. That's a major change in terms of writing just sort of matter of fact to writing fiction. (laughs) Yeah, I was... um, I talked to my editor, and I said, do you think I can mm-hmm. write fiction? And she said, you know, Renee, just sit down and see if you can do it. <laughs> and so right. I went to – my mom was a really good artist. And when mm-hmm. I was a little kid, I used to come home off the bus and sit next to her while she was painting. And I knew this place that she went because I would kind of go there with her. And so I went to that place, 
and it's very peaceful and it's uh, a place of creation and that's where this book was written from and um it's i've heard other writers talk about going to that place and it was I, usually i'm a person that gets to uh, meetings on time, but I've had a couple of instances where I have totally blown off meetings because I'm in this creative place and I lose complete track of time. And, and you know, they talk about if you do something that you love, you will never work a day in your life. Well, mm-hmm. I never worked. This just was the most enjoyable experience I've ever had. Very interesting. Going back to when you were in college, what led you to pursue a speech pathology as a discipline? Well, a long time ago, and most people don't know this, when women uh, wanted to get a career back then, we had a few options, teaching, uh, we could do speech pathology, we could do nursing, we could do Uh, secretarial skills. I mean, women Mm -hmm. weren't really accepted in uh, in everything. Um, It was rare. So I bumped into speech pathology and I decided this would be an interesting thing to do, so I got a master's in it. I did it for about 10 years and it was kind of the Mm -hmm. thing that launched me. And it was a good thing to do for when I was younger. That's wonderful because life in so many ways is a journey. Maybe at the time you may not think a whole lot about it in terms of like where it's going to take you, but before you know it, it's 10 years. And then you just mentioned something critical there as you were on this path. You used that as a platform to kind of launch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I did um, You're Smarter Than You Think, mm-hmm. some of the elements that are in that program came from speech pathology, from my experience as a speech therapist. And mm-hmm. it definitely um, helped me, you know, I connected to the material, the research that right. Dr. Gardner had done because of my experience in speech pathology. So it really did launch me. It it really gave me the credibility that I needed in putting that together. Very interesting. So sometimes the moral of the story is, just do the best you can at the current situation you're at. No telling what will come out, out of it down the road. And in this particular case, it's just you're building layers, and that's the very first layer that you need to have. Absolutely. And it seems like things come to you at just the right time if you're open in the mm-hmm. layer. I'm much more conscious at this stage of my life, um, understanding the power of creation, and uh, and I didn't understand it back then. It just sort of happened. But, you know, I'm a lot more conscious right now with that process. When we are in the moment, we just are on for the ride, basically, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're on for the ride. <laughs> yeah, looking back, and it's interestingly enough, we can see how things are sort of chain linked together and we're building this little foundation and from that foundation we're able to build something else. And that leads me to the next question. Are you still a rancher? Well, I live, That's a, I, th- I thought that was an interesting question because I live on 20 acres of woods. So mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a, a rancher. I consider myself a keeper of the environment. 
and it's a fabulous place to to write and to work and it's fabulous to just walk out and reconnect with nature and i'm mm-hmm. about 10 miles from a very um uh artistically uh inclined environment so i can be inspired going just to town and so it's a perfect place to live very interesting wonderful when did you discover you have a talent for writing <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know it, that's a you know that's a really good question because um i think that my writing uh has been an expression of something deeper something uh, that just wanted to be expressed, and it didn't have to do with the technical aspect of writing. My writing has definitely been supported by my editors. And when I started writing uh, fiction, what I discovered is that I have this uh, uh, amazing imagination and uh, a creative part, and that's the part that's being expressed at the moment. And mm-hmm. uh, and I still have editors again um, that support me with the expression of what is what I'm experiencing deeper inside. Very interesting. Very very interesting. Do you daydream a whole lot? Well, I I try not to because uh, <laughs> I do something different. I do something different, which is daydreaming can get you off. And it can be uh, uh, something that you enjoy doing, and then you don't take the steps that you need to take in order to achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. But if you can, uh, if sometimes, but what I do do is a lot of visualization, and that mm-hmm. visualization is very pointed, and it's not about going off on a daydream. It's about pointedly. Um, looking at what I would like to have in my life and what I, what do I need to do to move in that direction? What steps do I need to take? That's very interesting. So you sort of meditate in a way. You're trying to sort of manifest what you would like to accomplish for the future. Exactly. It's kind of like uh, if you can get we have unbelievable power inside of us, unbelievable power. And you can see the power that you have by looking what's in, at what's in your life because you put it there. And there's many people that have been talking about this for hundreds of years, and mm-hmm. I'm not the first one. I just latched on to it. And, you know, it's it's like if you don't ask for a day that's joyful and filled with love and filled with possibility, you won't have it. You have to look at what you what what do you want? What is it that you want? Um, you need to be a sailboat that uh, and you need to put the wind in the sail. Now that doesn't mean that you do this by yourself, mm-hmm. but it does mean that you look into your heart and tell the truth about what is it, what do I want to do here? What is it that's important to me? And and then start thinking about the possibility and what are the specifics. P 
people don't get specific enough about what it is they want. And and the more specific you can be, the more that things begin to start moving in that direction. Sounds like you've gone through a tremendous amount of spiritual journey. At what point did you discover this enlightenment, basically, or something happened in your life? At what point did you experience an epiphany? Well, when you take care of a husband that has vascular dementia, which is like Alzheimer's mm-hmm. for 10 years, mm-hmm. you, can, you have a choice. You can um, be miserable and have a miserable experience. Very easy to do that. Or you can say, okay, I want this to be a different experience. I want to discover how I can um, rise above this situation and Mm -hmm. help him out. He's my best friend. I wouldn't want to leave him. But how can I help him out, and how can I be in a different place? And through that process, this is what I discovered. And mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's every day is uncovering new layers and new possibilities, and uh, it's it, it it was an amazing journey to go from being miserable every day and hopeless to being to actually having hope and to have this experience with my husband that. Um, was a, it was actually really very, very beautiful. Um, and I know it was difficult for him, but at least it wasn't a bad thing for me or for mm-hmm. him. Sure. In caring for others, in some ways we're caring for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the very end, my husband, I placed my husband in a foster home because it was just, you know, it was more than I could do to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting on a uh, on a bed looking out at this beautiful scene, and, and um, I turned to him and I said, Jerry, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And uh, he turned to me and he said, you know, I love you, and it's not even hard to do. <laughs> and and it it's it's kind of the reason I love that story is that it it, it he was about age three at that point and it was wow. just uh, it was just a it was a moment of a symbol about okay we had been through the worst of the worst but we still had this connection and love with one another. And it was um, it was a, it was a a win for me, mm-hmm. a big win. Wonderful story. Were you following some authors when you were reading a lot and just getting into books and so forth? Were there some of your favorite authors out there that you still follow? Yes, I love um, Dr. Dane Eyre. I love Roland Merlot. I don't know how to say his name. Merlillo is I think that's close. And Benet mm-hmm. Brown and I love Sue Monk Kid. Those are some of the ones that I have have really contributed to me and helped me with my journey. 
Very interesting. I know we talk about when you decided to write a fiction. Was that a major shift in terms of your thought process? It was. Um, I had taken a class with Benet Brown, and, mm-hmm. and she challenged us. She said, look, what is it that you've always wanted to do that you haven't done? And it's time to get into the arena. And it so inspired me. And it was right after my husband had passed away. And so it's when you lose a husband, it changes things. It's, it's like you go, okay, this, this place that we're on is not permanent. We're not going to mm-hmm. stay here forever. And it did something to me. And it, it challenged me. And what I realized is that I always wanted to tell stories that inspired, that I wanted to do films that inspired. And so I just started doing it. And it's amazing what has happened. And that was probably about uh, probably three and a half years ago when that all mm-hmm. came started. Very, very interesting. Do you consider, in terms of yourself now, that you're a storyteller? I do. Um, in this process that when mm-hmm. I was taking class with Benet Brown, um, she had us go to our baby books and look, find some pictures and what I noticed in this baby book is that my mom had only put one thing in writing. She had a lot of pictures. And the one thing that she wrote was, Renee has an incredible imagination. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I had read that before, but I hadn't, done, I hadn't taken it very seriously. And I think that, that those words uh, uh, inspired me to trust this creative part of myself that I hadn't trusted before. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that that, yes, I think that that's why I, be, I have become a storyteller. Is composing a novel more challenging than writing a book? Um, is it more challenging? Yeah. Um, I don't, my experience with writing this, this novel was that it was just so much fun. It wasn't hard. It was just fun. Uh, it wasn't work at all. So I, I, I don't think there's really a difference. I think that the process, if you're doing something that you're good at and, and, and it's fun, it's not work. It's not hard. It's easy. Very interesting. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Renee Mullen Masters. She's the author of The Friendship Pod Affair. We are discussing her inspirational work about friendship and the power of forgiveness. What makes a good story, Renee? Well, I think what makes a good story are good characters and a great Mm. story. And people have told me that have read my story... They say, Renee, I couldn't put it down because I just wanted to find out what was going to happen to the characters next. Right. And so I really think that a good story has good characters in it. Why write forgiveness? Well, this story is really, it's about forgiveness, but it's really Mm -hmm. about connection. Right. 
what happens in a friendship pod is that people who are enemies have an opportunity to connect. And that connection is what changes everything because it makes the story less important. And I had an experience during the election where I decided to test this thing out. Mm -hmm. And I knew someone that had a political opinion different than mine. And so I asked her, so I did a friendship pod with her. And Mm -hmm. so what we did is we sat down and each of us shared with one another our perspective about why we were voting the way we were voting. And we couldn't cross-talk. All we could do is say how we felt. And then we got up and did what we were uh, – we just got up and did what we were going to do after that, which was to have lunch. And we didn't <laughs> talk about what we talked about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what happened in that process is that I felt this deeper connection and understanding with her. Mm-hmm. And my story about why I was voting the way I was voting really lit, lessened. And and she felt the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, And it's kind of a magical thing. And it's like what happens in the friendship pod is that the connection is more important than the story. And when the story lessens, and that connection happens, then a third thing can happen, and it can be a solution that nobody ever thought could happen. And that's the process that takes place in this book. It was beautifully written in the book. I love it. You hit it right on point. It is about the human connection, because each and every one of us have our own point of view about things in life, There are things that we agree and there are things that we disagree. But the most important thing, I believe, when we talk about situations like this is the opportunity to have the time given to us to give us the opportunity to express ourselves, to be heard. And I think that's the most important thing. Many times we're not allowed or given a chance to be heard. Absolutely. It's the the, the, the instructions in the in the friendship pod are, mm-hmm. we want to hear what's important to you. And people, I, I said this to uh, someone the other day, and they said, you know, I've never done that before. Nobody has ever asked me what was important to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a profound thing to ask. And in the friendship pod, that's what you do. And you don't discuss it. I think the I think where we have trouble um, with our adversaries is that we try to convince them to believe the way we believe, mm-hmm. and we discuss our differences back and forth, and it never goes anywhere. It doesn't solve anything. But with the friendship pod, what happens is um, people listen to one another. Right. They hear one another. And in the hearing of one another, this connection happens. And that connection 
is really where they're, 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 they're the same. That's the starting point. Well, connection is the end result of listening to learn versus listening in anticipation to reply. When you're trying to just listen in anticipation to reply, you can't wait to unload your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> and how many times that happens? I mean, I know it happens to us at some point in our life. We get into the moment. But if we truly listen to learn, then obviously we are focused on understanding and trying to find a solution mm-hmm. and wanting to yeah. accommodate that's a good point. Wanting to accommodate. That's, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not about changing the other person. Mm-hmm. We think solution is in changing the other person mm-hmm. or getting my, my uh, what's important to me uh, to be the most important thing. That is not, that's not how change happens. Change, ha- change is something that uh, is completely not even in the equation when you start. So true. How did you come up with the various characters for the book? Well, they came to me. When I went to this creative place and I had read some stories about uh, these camps, this, is, this story is about two Palestinians and one Israeli who become unlikely friends. And they go through a life-shattering experience, and they decide to say no more. And so the three of them begin to create friendship pods with their enemies, and they bring these pods throughout their countries, and they bring a peace that nobody thought was possible. Now, when I started writing this story, I had... I went online and I heard about these camps that happen in the United States and have been happening for 20 years where Israeli and Palestinian kids come together and have camps. And at the camps, they get along really well. They make friends almost instantly. But when they, went, when they go home, that's when they have trouble. Everybody turns on them. So when I read all these reports, I thought, okay, this is, this, is where this, this is my story. This is it. And I just went into this creative place, and I began to write in these characters. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> these characters <laughs> came to me. They came to me. Sarah, Shacker, and Amani. They are the main characters, and they mm-hmm. came to me. And it's, it's a very interesting experience when you write a novel. They feel real. They feel like real people. And they come alive. And they're like friends that, that I meet and, you know, have tea with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. I know sounds very strange. Like, man, this woman <laughs> lost her mind. <laughs> but I, I, it really is kind of what happens. Did you do a lot of research before writing? Um. I did a little bit, but uh, uh, as I say, when I read those reports, and that's kind of was the impulse. I knew some stuff already because uh, in my 
during my growing up period, we heard about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict forever. It was always mm-hmm. But um, as I began to go through this, I did a whole lot of research. I have learned uh, a lot. And uh, um, it's, it's been a very – the research has actually been very interesting to try and keep it uh, real and uh, and without uh, taking sides. You did a fantastic job, though, because in reading the book, it sort of challenges us or prod us in the direction of thinking about let's have a dialogue, let's have a conversation. And I think that's, if nothing else, that's the most important thing. It is. It is. We we so often um, get frustrated and we go to the violent uh, idea. Uh, you know, we strike back. We get revenge. Um, uh, these three characters, right after this horrible thing happened to them, revenge was very much a part because they hurt so much. Uh, but they were willing they were finally willing to say no more look mm-hmm. this has got to stop this is painful it has got to stop and somebody has to draw a line in the sand and so they said they would be the the people to draw the line in the sand do you use your writings to express yourself or just to entertain others? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, maybe both. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I started out when I started this book that I wanted to write something that would inspire. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, film and book have an opportunity to uplift the population so that, so that we can start moving in a positive way. And I don't think uh, a lot of times authors and film producers and writers uh, believe how powerful they are in in changing the way things are. And I do. I see it. Very interesting. This is something that you have developed over time, or is it something that when you first started writing at a young age – with you're smarter than you think. You felt like this is a mission for you that you have to do this. It it really, at some level, I think that's true. I think that uh, for me, there's something uh, that I I I I love to inspire people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why exactly. But that is what I've always done, and it's it's something that's um, it just happens, <laughs> and it's something that I love to do. So uh, I think it is maybe this is why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. How was the image for the book cover conceived? It's a wonderful cover, by the way. <laughs> Isn't it great? I love it. Yeah. My, um, my, my publishers came up with it. I, I wanted, they asked me what I wanted, and I said, well, I'd really like 
an olive tree on it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's pretty much all I said. I think that's all I said. I said I'd just really like an olive tree because the olive tree is really the symbol for peace. Mm-hmm. And they sent out, uh, I had, oh, probably 20 covers to choose from. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had uh, I had a party that was happening uh, on the day that I received these covers. And so I pulled them up on my computer, and I had everybody at the party look at all the, to- all the 20 covers. Mm-hmm. And I knew which one I liked best. And uh, so all of them looked at all the covers, and everybody at the party all agreed they loved this one that we chose. So... I'm I'm glad you like it too. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> what was the most challenging aspects in composing the story? I um okay. One of the things that I experienced, I I got an opportunity to meet some Israelis and Palestinians that were over here visiting. And one of the and even doing my research one of the things that i realized is that they're so polarized kind of like democrats and republicans there's just a, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're so polarized and what they say just triggers the other person it pushes every one of their buttons mm-hmm. and 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 i wanted the book to stay away from that as much as possible. I wanted to be able to communicate that, yes, there was a polarization, but I didn't want to go into the polarization and create for readers to be polarized as they're reading. And that was really tough for me, to figure out how to do that. I had to have drama in there, I had to create um, uh, angst between people, but I didn't want to blow up the situation. I've read somewhere the people actually in Israel and in the occupied territory and basically the Palestinians that live in the Middle East have more of a reconciliatory attitude versus the people that live elsewhere, like in the United States. Is that correct? Well, it's really interesting. I went to a, uh, uh, they had uh, uh, this group, Combatants for Peace, mm-hmm. um, that are Israeli-Palestinian people that had were fighting and now mm-hmm. are together peaceful, as peaceful people. And they came to the United States, and I got to he- a chance to hear them. It was really interesting. I was washing dishes with the Israeli uh, lady that was there, and we had a. It was really fun. We had a potluck, and so we were in the kitchen washing dishes together. So I got to talk to her, and she's really lovely. She puts on a uh, a, um, a memorial service for the Israelis and Palestinians each year. She has a hundred thousand people that attend, mm-hmm. and she's a young little thing, you know. <laughs> she's doing these powerful things. <laughs> But she talked to me and she said she would really love it if the United States would just stay out of their situation, that they mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. to solve it. It's, it's, it's their problem, and they need to solve it themselves. 
Mm-hmm. And some people would say, well, maybe this book is um, is interfering. Well, I hope mm-hmm. they don't experience that because I don't think this book is necessarily about, uh, it's not just about Israeli and Palestinians. It's about everybody in the world. I mean, it's about the United yeah. States. Look what right. goes on in our country. And I right. think that that, you know, her her request was, please, you know, stay out of our affairs. Let us solve it. That's true. Well, unless you are in this situation yourself, unless you are in the place, the experience you're experiencing is pretty much secondhand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This story is a secondhand story. It is. But yeah. It's, yeah. it's real enough that I think people can believe it. And it's a story. It's a mm-hmm. it's a fantasy. It didn't really happen. It's a fantasy. And, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, stories like yours are wonderful. Don't get me wrong. What I mean is people that who have strong opinions of things, unless you're in that person's shoes, you really don't experience it the way they do. Because a lot of the people that I've talked to, in the sense that they are just tired of the chaos. They're tired of missed opportunities. And so within themselves, you're right. We want to solve it so that we all can grow. And then when you have someone else who is on the outer circle putting in their two cents, and that changes the dynamics all the time. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, again, it's the, it's, it's, it's the way in which we solve problems. We think mm-hmm. we're solving problems by talking about them on and on and on and on and on. But the truth is we just need to understand the other guy's perspective right and we need to create a connection and then something magical will happen and an and a solution will appear right um, but we don't allow that to happen mm-hmm. because we're always mm-hmm. trying to change everybody right right so true you're listening to from my mama's kitchen talk radio my guest is renee marlin masters she is the author of The Friendship Pod Affair. We are discussing her inspirational work about friendship and the power of forgiveness. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Renee, how much of you is in the book? <laughs> well, um, I think there's probably a lot of me in that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. I guess you can't separate it. It came from me. Right. It came out of my experience. And, yeah, um, I probably some of my editor's stuff is in there, too, but um, mm-hmm. mostly it's me. We talk about the challenging aspects of composing the story. In hindsight, what was the most rewarding aspects in composing the stories? Well, it's been magical. Mm-hmm. In the story... I didn't know where the story was going. I didn't know how the solution was going to be solved. And all these little things started to happen. Mm -hmm. And I ended up creating this idea called a friendship pod, which is based on a book called The Zim Zoom of Relationship. And it's a a technique that a, a number of people are talking about. And as a result of creating this idea within the book, I bumped up 
against an international uh, marketing group, and they heard about the pod, and they got excited about it, and they are going to bring to the world friendship pods exactly like it's described in the book. So it's been uh, – it's it's actually it's so exciting to see what is happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like okay, I created in this story a solution, right? And it's a solution that could impact everybody, not only in their families, but in their work situations, in their um, in their uh, communities. A friendship pod can can be used in any of those situations. And what's happening is that with this company that has a uh, an Internet platform, they're mm-hmm. going to be building a community where people can help one another build pods and they can connect with other pods. And the goal is that we're going to spread pods all over the world. Isn't that fabulous? the ripple effect of just one action or thought in this case? It is. It's like if you focus on possibilities, you never know what's going to happen. You just never know. It, 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 it's been I, – sometimes I shake my head and think, <laughs> how? <laughs> how did this happen? And, yeah. And it was it, – it gave me chills when uh, – the people that are putting this platform together, uh, it gave me chills when it was so much like what was in the book. That's fascinating. Truly, truly fascinating. What would you like for your readers to gain from reading The Friendship Pot Affair? I, I, I would hope that they get inspired, number one. Mm-hmm. And 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 that they see how one individual has the power to change anything and it's not it's it's the truth one person has the power to change anything and that's one thing i would like them to get and the second thing is that i would really love for them to try this pod idea with their friends or with their family i think it would be phenomenal if a family who has teenagers, you know, teenagers who don't mm-hmm, want to talk mm-hmm. about their lives, right? if they sat down and said, okay, we're going to do something, and each of us in the, are going to share what is important to us. And I think that parents would start to have a connection with their teenagers that kind of evaporates when they get into high school. And I don't know. I think it could it, I think it would be a wonderful experience. That's a terrific idea. It forces people and I use the word force you sort of a gentle tug to really sit down and have a conversation, have a dialogue. Or to have a you know Parents don't understand their teenagers and what's going on inside of them. They mm-hmm. don't. Sh- they don't openly share that kind of information. And if if that information is shared in a safe place, 
and it isn't challenged. The parents don't try and change it. They merely listen to it. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose. It's not to judge it. It's not to change it. It's not to do anything with it. It's just to receive it. Powerful, powerful. It is. It is. Sounds very, very powerful. Why is inspiring others so important to you? Well, I love to be inspired. I try mm-hmm. and get inspire myself somehow every day. And when you inspire, when you are inspired, there are other forces that join in and kind of lift your energy up. It's a it's a good place to be. It's a good place to do life. Uh, it's a good place to pr- approach whatever you're working on to mm-hmm. be inspired. There's nothing better than inspiring someone else. And that comes back again, what you dish out there will come back to you in so many ways. So it's true. It's, so true. it's the law of the world. If, if <laughs> you don't know that, I mean, it's a law. It's, it's like figuring out how to do this life so that you don't get killed by it. I mean, don't get <laughs> destroyed by it. You know, how do, right. you, how do you live life? And one of the laws is whatever you put out is going to come back. And if you put out judgment and criticism, that's what's going to come back. If you put out joy and love and appreciation and inspiration, that's what's going to come back. So true. It may not come back immediately, but somehow, somewhere, when you least expect it, <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. will show up. Yeah. <laughs> And if you if you just keep doing it every day, it'll just keep happening. It'll start happening on a pretty regular, consistent way. You'll notice. You'll go, oh, like do it for a month consciously. And at yeah. the end of the month, take a look at it, and you'll go, wow, that really works. So true. Where can someone go to buy the novel, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Okay. They can go to my new website, which is called FriendshipPod.com. It's one pod, FriendshipPod.com. If you go there today, you can put your email address in, and when on the 25th, when the book is becomes available, we will send you an email, and we will tell you where you can go to buy the book at $2 off. After the 25th, the book will be available everywhere. You can buy it at Amazon, any bookstore. It'll be available anywhere. Wonderful. How has the success of your writings impacted you personally? Well, I think I think there was a part of me that believed that anything was possible. But I didn't uh, trust it. I, I didn't fully trust it. But I think that that is changing, and I think that that's part of what this book has done for me, is that it's allowed me to realize that anything is possible, anything. Is that change slow and gradual, or is that something that's sort of like an epiphany moment? Well, I think it's both. Uh, I think you get a little bit of it at a time. You start watching what's happening. And you go, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, look at that. And then you'll have something big happen, 
and then it's kind of like you get chills and you go, whoa, this is amazing. Anything can happen. Very interesting. What three things can you share with expiring writers to help them sharpen their storytelling skills? I, I've heard this from other writers that have been successful. Mm-hmm. Every one of us go to a place that's our creative place. And it's usually, I find mine by being very still, and I go there, and that's where I write. Um, and I think the second step is to really trust that place. That's a, that's a really, it's a wonderful place to get inspiration and to start writing from. And then once you're in there and you trust it, just go with what is coming up for you. Trust that and start writing. And I think that you will be amazed at what comes out. Does it really matter what you put down on paper, that it has to be methodical in terms of A, B, C, or could you just start out with Z and work your way backwards? You can, you can work in any way. That happens to me. <laughs> What's really great about computers is that mm-hmm. I, there were a couple of times when scenes came to me that were totally out of order, so I'd just yeah. get another piece of paper and I'd write you know, in the computer and I'd write that scene out. And then I had actually two or three, and I didn't know which way the story was going to go. And some yeah. of the scenes I used and some I didn't. But I followed that, and that's what's really great about computers. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. The first book mm-hmm. I wrote was on typewriter. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely arcade right now, don't you think? Absolutely. I don't recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Do you see yourself working on a sequel? Oh, boy. I I don't know because I have these other stories that Mm. solve a problem and inspire that are waiting in the wings wanting to come out. They are new Mm -hmm. stories. And um, a sequel isn't part of it. Tell us about your inspirational site. Um, <clears throat> well, this um, inspiration, uh, inspirationologytales.com was a site that I had, um, I came up with about, a, oh, it was probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. And a year ago, I had, um, well, it was actually a year and a half ago, I had no idea where this story was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I had an agent. I didn't think she was really going to help me um, because the kind of uh, publisher she represented, I didn't think they would go for this book. And as it turned out, she didn't help me. But this Inspireology Tales uh, website, I I have been writing blogs on a monthly basis that kind of talk about where I've been and the journey that I've been t- that I've been taking which has been amazing. It's been an amazing mm-hmm. experience. Um, and so that's what that's, that website is all about. And that website is going to be morphed into uh, the friendshippod.com website in, after the 25th. The reason why I brought that up is because you went through this sort of a spiritual discovery, a spiritual journey 
that in the course of looking for something, you discovered your own self. Exactly. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? Tell us a little bit about the things ahead that you're looking at, what you plan to do and so forth. Well, we have um, uh, the Friendship Pod Affair. Uh, we're going to be doing these pods and marketing them all over the world, and we also have a film. Uh, the script is almost finished. We have financing, and uh, our plan is that we're going to shoot the film probably a year from now, and it will be released uh, early 2019. Wonderful. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Okay, yes, I would. Every morning, ask for what you want. Do you want to have a day that's joyful? Ask for it, whatever. And then, at the end of the day, sit down and take a few moments and just acknowledge everything that you're thankful for. It'll make each day wonderful. Very interesting. When did you start doing this for yourself? I started doing this uh, probably 10 years ago. And it's made that big of an impact for you. Yeah, it's changed everything. It really is. I get up very early uh, in the morning uh, before anybody else does, and mm-hmm. I uh, have quiet time, and, and I, this, is, this is important to me. And each evening I do the same. It's a very important thing to do. And some people say, oh, I don't have time to do that. Get up earlier. <laughs> Get up earlier. Yeah. You well, can you can do that in the car while you're driving to work. Absolutely, you can do it in the car where you're driving to work. You can. Absolutely. It's about manifesting the day. What would you Absolutely. like the day to be for you? It's your choice. It, it, mm-hmm. You don't realize it, but you, your mind, your belief, your actions create your day. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like the way your days are going, start looking at what you're thinking about. What mm-hmm. actions are you taking? Start changing those things. Ask for something different, and your day will start being different. You'll be amazed. So true. Have, so true. You have great power. <laughs> I agree with that. Totally, totally agree with that. Renee, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, April 18. My guest will be Ellen Ted. She is an internationally known clairvoyant counselor who has been teaching and counseling for more than 30 years. Her work has been supported by the Edgar Casey Foundation, the Marion Institute, Deepak Chopra, Child Spirit Institute, and the Institute of Noetic Science. Ellen and I will be discussing her latest book, The Infinite View, a guidebook for life on Earth. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Renee, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you. It's been a wonderful experience for me, too. 
Thank you. Bye-bye. come from uh well uh honey mommy went to the store oh well you see um well there's a mommy and a daddy right right and see when they call geico uh they could save a bunch of money on car insurance oh really and that makes them happy yes that makes them very happy that's good yeah well i'm glad we could have this talk sunshine <laughs> geico because saving 15 percent or more on car insurance is always a great answer